Hello, everyone, and we are so happy to have you tuned in. And it's going to be an interesting evening. Evening, uh, we're going to be in uh, the mystery of the times, uh, number three. I want to thank my wife for her wonderful uh, organ playing. Uh, she just plays it by the spirit. It's really beautiful. And I'm here standing in for the manifester. Let's get going. Uh, we're going to cover all kinds of different subjects, but we're going to basically try to break down uh, some of the teachings on this subject so it is um, a little easier to, uh, to put in place. Uh, all right. Uh, I'd like you uh, sort of following along with me today in the Bible. Let's start off in the book of Second Peter. The book of Second Peter, chapter three, and we will um, we'll just let's just start with five. We'll read some verses and talk here just a little bit. Some interesting stuff. Okay, here we go. Second Peter, chapter three, beginning with verse five. For this, they willingly are ignorant. Now I think that was an incredible statement that there are loads and loads of people, lots of people, who are willingly ignorant of many things, especially when it comes to the deep word of God. There are people that are willingly ignorant because they just don't want to put out the energy to open their minds to the deep word, and that is so sad. But the Bible really names it out and says, you know, uh, for this they willingly are ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens uh, were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Now, I think that's quite a, re a real revelation there. Some people may not uh, understand the extent of that revelation there alone, but um, uh, when I read it, and you think in terms like, like uh, you know, it's, this is 2011, and so it's only been just, you know, around 2,000 years, roughly, since uh, Christ. And then uh, going back before that, the way history records it, they only go back about, you know, uh, a little over 3,000 years. Some people go back to 5,000 years. But then if you go back and you say, okay, yeah, but, uh, you know, the flood took place uh, before some of that. Uh, based on that, when the flood took place, according to the kind of timing that people are using today, uh, which they are ignorant of the truth because they're just determined to use this kind of, of simple Simon timing that doesn't even uh, go along with any relevance to fact. And so they say, uh, oh, well, you know, yeah, the flood uh, took place just, it wasn't very long because uh, there was sin and, and so God wiped out the earth. But, you know, the scripture, when it reads here, it says, for this they are willingly ignorant, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Uh, the heavens and the earth are are captioned together, uh, you know, as one unit there. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. And, um, and since they're old, but as far as uh, the timing that a lot of the uh, people in the, the the Christian faith give, uh, God 
have mercy on them, bless them, and help them to see the light. Uh, you know, they don't, you know, and when you're talking about elements and earth and, and things like that, that, it wouldn't be old. It would not be old at all, not old at all. But here the Bible says, yeah, it, the heavens were old and, and the earth was already old. It had been around for a long, long, long time. And, and people are ignorant of that, it says, and they're willingly ignorant of it. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now we have to get used to the language of the Bible because when it says that the the world perished, it doesn't mean that then uh, it became an unlivable habitat and and it was the end of of the earth as being a planet that that uh, that uh, critters and creatures and human beings could live on uh, but the the state of what that earth was at the time, the environment of it uh the civilization of it uh it it vanished. Now, in our teachings of the manifest, uh, we we go back an additional ten thousand years before uh, on the when the flood happened. We go back ten thousand years further into the past and show that that is when it happens. I, I don't have the time to get into all the details of that to, here today, but but uh, uh, it's interesting. Like for instance, um, I'm uh, speaking to you from Canada. And, uh, there's, you know, quite a few, uh, you know, American Indians up here. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, Canada is part of North America. Um, and, uh, you know, they talk about, uh, uh, their civilization and they, they have, uh, you know, uh, their proofs, uh, from, uh, different, uh, ancient uh, relics and, and, and ancient, uh, burial sites and all kinds of other, uh, uh, you know, uh, paraphernalia that's left over from going way, 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 way back in time. And, uh, and they claim that, uh, you know, that they have been, uh, up here for, for over 10,000 years. So if they've been up here for over 10,000 years and the flood happened according to when it's supposed to have happened, according to, to the timetable that's being kept by, uh, some of the, uh, you know, people who seem to think that they have to have that short, period of time in order to keep their belief straight uh we've got a problem we've got a problem and the indians are not going to be believing uh this other tale because uh you know they've they've got a, a history of it and it goes back to uh you know over ten thousand years and there's there's uh recent new discoveries that have been found on the coast of of uh, a whole bunch of the coastal cities of the United States uh, in which they have uh, discovered that um, the ocean had risen uh, a, a, an enormous amount of, of feet uh, along the coastal and there used to be a whole bunch of cities uh, and, and a civilization along there that, that they never had prior record of going way, way back in time and they're just now uh, researching this and getting archaeologists out to it and researchers out to it uh, things are going on and of course uh, people can continue being willingly ignorant that those things are true and just say well no they're just made up I don't believe them uh, of course it just makes 
um, you know, the Christians look like uh, they don't know anything. It just makes them uh, look like they're believing a Bible that is is not true. Uh, and I think that, you know, God does not want his people to be ignorant. I think God wants his people to, to you know, to study, to show themselves approved, uh, a workman that needs not be ashamed and being able to give an answer to all that may inquire of the hope that lies within. That's the teaching of the Bible. And I do believe in that. All right, let's just move on. But the heavens, verse 7, and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, uh, reserved under the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, it looks like uh, they uh, got out of the frying pan with, with the world deluge that supposedly wiped out most all civilization except for the eight people that were on the ark. And then, of course, uh, those that escaped by air, uh, you know, of which Jesus talked about those. Uh, we don't have time to get in that right now. And um, it looks like um, uh, that is that, you know, they have hardly had any time since that awful event happened and and already uh you know it says uh, uh you know <laughs> verse seven but the heavens and the earth which are are now and this of course were written back in the days when uh, peter uh by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men so even though there had been this huge flood and wiped out all the earth uh uh, even though the history was very young since that happened, uh, it was already reserved and already predicted and already prophesied there's going to be this other kind of fire that's going to happen, whatever that is. So it's really important that people understand the Bible, understand well, what does it really mean when it says, uh, you know, perished. Uh, does that mean something a little bit different than meaning that it was everything was all wiped out? Does it have a different uh, understanding? Well, of course it does. So, so uh, now let's go on because there's some really powerful stuff here. Then verse 8, and this is the one we want to emphasize on. But beloved... Be not ignorant of this one thing. If you're not going to get into this other part, Peter is saying, if you're not going to get into this other ignorance that's, you know, people have made irrelevant, people are just overlooking and not really getting into the understanding of, this one thing, he said, is really important that at least you're not ignorant of it. I don't want you to be ignorant. If you want to set the other stuff aside and not delve into it, well, that's up to you. But this point here that I'm going to make, he says, you must not be ignorant of it, of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Wow. Okay, now let's look at that in, in a sense. We've got all these scriptures that's been interpreted by well-meaning translators. <clears throat> that have translated, Behold, I come quickly. Many of those verses could just as easily uh, trans, uh, be translated, Behold, I come suddenly. Now, there's a vast difference between Behold, I come quickly and Behold, I come suddenly. Suddenly means that when I show up, it, 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 it could, it'll be just all of a sudden. It'd be, it, you know, perhaps in, in any instant that you may not be expecting it. But it doesn't give any kind of an indication that it's going to be a long time from now or a short time from now. But when you say, behold, I come quickly, in the vernacular of the human language, when you're talking 
as we understand the human language, especially English here, and then as it would be translated into other other languages, uh, there's a problem. Because, behold, I come quickly. That sounds like, whoa, well, get ready. He's better not go out, out the door. You better pack and, and uh, you better tend the, the, uh, the lamp. Uh, he's he's going to be here in a jiffy. Well, that's been over 2,000 years. And that, my brother and my sister, is not quickly in any sense that we as human beings understand in the vernacular the meaning of time. There is something vastly different here. And so when the Bible talks about in a short time, again, there's something vastly different here as to what we think is a short time, as to what we think is quickly, and as to what we think is different than that. Now, Peter says, if you're going to remember anything, if you're going to know anything, if you're going to be taught and, and keep something that's really important, this you must not be ignorant of, that with God, a thousand years is, is as one day, and one day is as a thousand years. He said that, that is really, really important to understand. Okay, let's look at that. thousand years. Okay, so let's say Jesus resurrects, and then three days later, three God days later, it's 3,000 years. And he's not come back yet, as people are expecting him to come. But we understand when we're looking at this translation of time that there is such a vast difference of time. It, 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 uh, it almost smacks of, of that idea that uh, Einstein came up with in relativity. That when someone is going out in space at, at a great speed, uh, there, cre there is created a time differential. And if they ha are gone for quite a long time, traveling at a high velocity, and then they came back, uh, say, 50 years later, well, it, it, it might be 150 years or, or more. By time, uh, to the people that lived on the earth, they would all be gone because of the difference of time uh, based on that uh, relativity effect, and that's pretty interesting. Now, I'm not saying that's exactly what this is, but, it, but, but you know, the idea is there of the difference of time, the difference of time. And we understand that even living in, in, in the countries that people live in. Uh, you know, uh, to, it, it's, say, in Canada here, it's, it's evening, but in somewhere else in the world it may it may be morning so there are differences of time and 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 even the day becomes a different day okay all right now <clears throat> we are doing this teaching about the 70 80,000 years that we teach in the 105th chapter of Psalms so we'll be getting into that some more and i've had people say oh are you are you saying that that the world's going to go on and 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 in 70,000 years from now and maybe even 80,000 years that time is going to be going on and this is the time that is being allotted of the generations 
uh, because the Bible promised God's people a thousand generations. That was the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, and that's what the bosom of Abraham is about. And that was the promise that was made according to Galatians, the third chapter, that cannot be broken. It's a forever covenant. Are you saying that this could time could go on for 70,000 years or 80,000 years? Well, I most certainly am. And according to this ratio here, we are only talking something like, if it, you know, we're only talking like, I get a hold of this. We're only, we're only talking uh, 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 70 days. And, and just a little, a few days above that. So, so like, uh, if, if we, whether we're talking the 70,000 or the 80,000, when you translate that <coughs> backwards, you see, it, it, it's just not that long. It's just not that long because a thousand years is, you see, uh, one day in God is equal to a thousand years. Let's make sure you get this. This is one day is equal to a thousand years. So three days is going to be 3,000 years. And, and 70, 70 days is going to be 70,000 years. And that's just a little, that's just a little uh, over a couple months. That's not very long. So when we're doing these teachings, we're right on. We're just right in there, ladies and gentlemen. Because we're talking in the, in the time schedule, the time frame, that, that Peter says, now whatever you do, this one thing, whatever you do, don't be ignorant of, of this. This is important. This has application. This has the power of proof. Don't lose the understanding of this. Don't fail to, to get, dig into it and have it figured out. It is not something you want to be ignorant of. Now, when we look at this verse that way, it is so important. It is so important. Because all this thing that is going on all around the world in the, in the Christian centers... And even in other religions, but mostly in the Christian centers, it's about apocalypse and the end of the world and everything is, 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 is closing down. And in fact, that is totally wrong. That is totally against the Bible. The Bible actually says that Jesus cannot come. And now people say, oh, I don't believe that. Oh, it certainly does not. Yes, ma'am, it does. Yes, sir, it does say that. It tells us don't get all upset, don't get all worked up as to the coming of the Lord, for that day shall not come. And it goes on and gives a list of the things that have to happen before the coming of the Lord can happen. The temple has to be built on Mount Moriah. There's going to be a false prophet with the spirit of Antichrist that's going to be acting as the Messiah, and it's going to cause an incredible falling away of, of believers. And all those things have to happen before the Bible says that Christ can come again. Second Thessalonians, check it out. It says, don't get soon shaken up in mind as to the coming of the Lord. 
Why are people not obeying the word? Why are people not obeying the, the gospel, the Bible? When the Bible says, don't get shaken up in mind, why are people allowing themselves to get shaken up? Please tell me. Because it's serious to be disobedient to, to the word of God, especially when, it, when, it, when it's about your life. And it's about the life of, of your family and, and the life of your friends. Why would anyone want to not pay attention to the to the Word of God? It's, it's just as absolutely uh, scary and sad that that uh, you know people get into that frame of, of thought that they are willingly willingly ignorant, and that that is that is so sad. That is so very, very, very sad. So, I hope I made that point, and I, I hope that uh, that that has gone deep into you, <clears throat> and and it really has it has relevance because if you don't heed the message like this, which is a message from the Word of God, then how's anyone going to help you to ever see what the real truth is? How's anyone ever going to get you excited enough to really want to know what the real truth is? So it's 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 very serious. And uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna move on to to some other uh, other word here. But um, uh, I just I just want to say and hit this thing one more time please do not be willingly ignorant please do not be willingly ignorant because that is not going to get you anywhere but to be separated from God now before I leave Thessalonians Second Thessalonians you can find that writ in chapter 2 where it says, Now we beseech you, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and this man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God. The temple will be built, showing himself that he is God. So everything that I told you, that, there it is. It said, don't get soon shaken in mind. Don't, don't get excited about this. Don't let anyone deceive you. doesn't matter what that person calls himself. Calls himself a reverend. Calls himself a professor calls himself a scholar. It doesn't matter. Don't let anyone deceive you on such things as this, because this revelation about the time is really important. Okay, now we're going to get into Psalms. Uh, there, we're going to finish up, you know, some of these um, related scriptures on that uh, subject I'm just talking on. So I think we want to get into Psalms 90. If you get into your Bible, and you might hear me flipping through here, but uh, that's the way it's going to be tonight. 
I've got so much that I want to uh, to go over. It's just so much. Um, I'm going to sell something interesting here. I'll just put a little note down here so I don't miss it. Yeah, Psalms 90. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Now, Psalms 90, verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now, there's the scripture again. So, Peter didn't just pull that out of his hat. He pulled that out of the word of God. But what is so interesting about that is the setting that this is in. Listen to this setting, Psalms 90, verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Now put a period right there, instead of a comma. Remember, in the original Greek, in the original Hebrew, there were no periods, no commas. That's all been added. And so what this is really saying is, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains, I wrote this book, Seven Thunders Before Genesis. Before Genesis, before Genesis, you were our dwelling place. Before there were mountains created, before they were brought forth, before you formed the earth, before you formed the world, from everlasting to everlasting, yes, you've been our dwelling place, from everlasting to everlasting. And then, this is how it would continue, after you put the period, thou art God. Thou turnest the man to destruction, and saith, Return ye, children of man. For as a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Verse 3. You know, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and saith, Return, you children of men. Did you notice the preposition on verse 4? For that becomes a special uh, usage because when it is put like that, it is saying that there is something that has been presented or said before. You don't just start off a verse saying, For I feel good today, or For uh, the clock is going to ring at a certain time. You know, why is it going to ring at a certain time? Well, for the reasons, and because there's something that preceded it. So what preceded this for? That men had, children of men had, re, had, had gotten into a destruction thing. And that the word to them is for them to return. God is wooing them. God is calling them back. And what is part of the method that is being made available, part of the method that's being made available for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when in is past, and as a watch in the night. And, oh, I wish I had time to just really break that down. But this is time, the whole thousand years, the whole thousand years into this revelation, and, and exactly what is this thousand years about? Well, we're going to tell you. 
It is so very important. You see, Adam lived to be 930 years old. And he died. And that left 70 years unlived of a thousand years. Because a thousand years at that time was a generation, a life generation. I would say that again. Adam died at 930 years old. That left 70 years. 930 years and 70 years is 1,000 years. And the word was that in the day that thou eatest of this fruit, in that day you will die. So the Gihon serpent said, Oh, that is on a parallel that they're talking about. You will surely not die. Now, he pulled the same trick <clears throat> in those days that he's pulling on people today. They're into this other timetable. They're into that that 24-hour timetable. <clears throat> and they're saying, oh, well, guess what? I I didn't die. And another day goes by, well, guess what? I didn't die. So, <clears throat> isn't that interesting? Praise God. <clears throat> All right, <clears throat> you have to bear with me. All right, so a week went by, a month went by, a year went by, didn't die. Because the reference is to a thousand years being a day, which properly follows follows within the, the Hebrew word yom which can mean a 24-hour period, but can also mean a thousand-year generation. And the relevance of it is if you don't have the correct time, you don't get the correct interpretation. You put the wrong application to it. You apply it to the wrong thing, the wrong time, the wrong place, the wrong position, the wrong momentum. And so before the thousand years was up, before the day, the day was up. That's what happened. Now that 70,000, that 70 years, pardon me, that is left is the figure that all of the offspring of Adam are living, are, are, are involved in living out as a lifespan. The offspring of Adam are living those 70 years as a lifespan. And we're going to get into the scriptures right here. Back in, in into, into Psalms 90. Verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yes, yesterday, when it is passed as a watch in the night. And that's very, very interesting that the word watch is brought in here. Like, you know, the watchtower. Like this whole thing about watching to be able to survive. 
And he goes on, verse 5, Thou carest them away as with a flood. They are as sheep in the morning. They are like grass which, grow, which groweth up. In the morning it flourishes and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and, with, and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath, and we are troubled. <clears throat> Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For our days, <clears throat> excuse me, our days are passed away in the wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score years and ten. A score is twenty. Three score then makes it sixty plus ten is seventy. <clears throat> okay. All right. Now get this. The days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they may be four score. So you've got a, a variance there between 70 to 80 years, which is not a generation of a family generation when a new family comes on, but a life generation, how long a person lives. And the days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength, and that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the days of our years, a life, okay? And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet it is their strength yet in is their strength labor and sorrow, for it shall soon cut off and we fly away. Okay. Now that is so interesting and so exciting. Uh it's just just very, very interesting. Uh, I've got a little note here. It says see Psalms twenty two twenty. I don't know that that fits into what I really want to teach on but maybe it does so maybe oh yeah uh it just says um 2230 a seed shall serve him it shall be accounted to the lord for a generation so we see this thing of the generation is very 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 important okay now we're going to get into some uh, other relative interesting things that uh, are are very very important as to how they apply, I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, and let's start. Um, let's start at Genesis uh, 15, okay? Genesis 15, and we'll see what we get into here. Okay, Genesis 15, verse 12. And this is a, a story about an experience that Abraham had. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a whore of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and, sh and, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom you shall serve will I judge, and afterwards they shall come out with great abundance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now here we see that the thousand generations, the lifespan of a thousand generations, 
has fallen down by the time of Abraham to a hundred years. Because we have it right here in the Bible. Right here. They shall come out in the fourth generation. So the 400 years, the, the fourth hundred of the 400 years is called a generation. So it makes it clear that those 400 years were all each a generation. There, there's one generation, two generations, three generations, four generations, each of a hundred years. And so we have the fourth generation being 400 years so that it is a hundred years when you, and it collectively is added to the other 300, making it the 400. Okay. Now, time keeps changing because before that, it wasn't a hundred. It, it just kept sliding down. Let, let's look at, um, let's look at uh, Genesis 6. Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So now here, after the flood, we see it went down to a hundred and twenty years. And then, uh, after this time, when uh, the sons of God were intermarrying with the daughters of men, and that caused another loss of the lifespan. And then by the time Abraham came, it had gone down to a hundred. Now by the time of the revelation given to uh, David in Psalms, the lifespan had gone down from a thousand years to 120 years to a hundred years to 70, 80 years depending on special circumstances. So we see that that's all Bible. It's just there. It's just what it is. And that is so urgent to understand. So urgent. Now, that helps us begin to, to uh, you know, to see this whole revelation. And it's so important. All right, now, uh, let's go to Psalms 105. We've got to just sort of finish that out, although... I know I've read it to you many times, but it's it's still very, very important. Uh, Psalms 105. And we look at this, this covenant that was made that uh, talks about the thousand years and how important that is. How very important that is. Chapter 105, verse 6. O you seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen, he is the Lord our God, this judgments, his judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed, confirmed, that's an important word, the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. And I don't have the time to turn to it right now, but if you look at um, at Galatians 3, verses 16 through 19, you'll see in the Word of God that this is, is still in effect. This was not disannulled. This covenant was kept even throughout the whole plan for salvation and everything because it has to do 
with the whole thing of the kinsman redeemer. It has to do with the whole whole plan of God. And that's that's why it's just so extremely important. Okay? Now, um, I've had a few questions that um people you know, people have asked and I and I was not able to get to all of them in the in time past. Uh but um I want to uh see if I can just uh work in, you know, one here, one there as we're we're going forward with this. And uh I think it'll be interesting and very helpful. Um so uh let's see if I can find the one that uh would be interesting. Okay, here we go. So uh, a gentleman writes and he says, um uh, I know Abraham was justified by faith, and Enoch walked with God, and David had a heart like God. But since Jesus is our Redeemer, how did the Ophanim overcome who lived after Adam and before Jesus died? How did the Ophanim overcome who lived before Adam and before Jesus died? Okay, so that's, that's a good question, and it, it definitely uh, comes into this whole thing. Now, here is um, is something that really takes a whole teaching. It really takes a big whole teaching. And I can't even begin to promise you that I can make it clear to you when I'm only having a small amount of time and I'm trying to make these heavy points. But one day I will do just the total teaching on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is very, very important in understanding the 70,000 years. And uh, it, 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 you know, it, it is definitely, it's definitely all tied in to that, to that whole thing. Okay. All right. <clears throat> now, I tell people, people say, now the way it worked was, um, the Bible says that God worked six days and then he took a day off to rest. That's just one of the most blasphemous, stupid things that I have ever, ever heard. Why people are willing to be ignorant of that. To ever to ever imagine that God who is the same yesterday and to ever, that yesterday and forever, that God who is is constant energy and constant life and would never, ever, ever, ever be in a place of being weary or tired or needing to rest. <laughs> that is just so super colossally stupid. And I feel sorry for the people that have embraced that and kissed it and hugged it, that they have hugged deception without knowing it. And it's pathetic. Ladies and gentlemen, there are other scriptures, which I don't have the time to get into, but you can find them, that in, that calls this seventh day uh, that God refreshed himself. And there is a difference of the, that meaning. Uh, you use it, I'm sure, on your computer. Uh, when you have something put up on the computer screen and, and uh, you're... Uh, wondering if something else has come in there, but your computer needs to be refreshed in order to be able to see it. It doesn't mean that you're tired. It doesn't mean that you're having a rest. It just means that you're continuing your work, but you're 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 making uh, this particular action because it it, it 
helps, it engineers uh, the, the other actions to come through. And God refreshed himself. Now, I tell people, Adam was created on the seventh day. Adam was not created on the sixth day. There's other human beings that were created on the sixth day. And these were these were human beings that that were the that were the genetic rivers that it talked about coming out of uh, the Garden of Eden, the Gihon, the Hadakel, you know, all these different rivers, of which the Bible says in the seventeenth chapter and the fifteenth uh, verse of of um, Revelations that like rivers, waters can represent people, nations, kindreds, tongues. Eighth chapter of Revela of uh, Isaiah shows rivers being the Assyrian people covering the land like a river of water, but then they turn into an army of soldiers. It's Bible language, and there are dozens and dozens of scriptures showing that. And so these genetic rivers are human beings that did not have souls. Adam was the first man with the soul, but not the first human being that lived on the earth. But he was the first human being with the soul. Now, it is so important to understand that here in the seventh, uh, second verse, chapter uh, 2, verse 2, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Someone says, well, that just says that he had to rest. <laughs> you don't understand what it's really saying. All of the kind of creation that was made up to that point, which did not incorporate, did not include the plan of salvation, which was going to happen through Adam. And I'll show you, I'll show you the scripture in just a little bit. He finished that. He, he rested from that. He stopped from that. Didn't mean he was going to cut those people off and they would never attend to him at all, but he backed away from it. He was finished with what he was going to do. He was ready to go to this next refreshing, to refresh himself with this with this glorious plan. And that's what it's talking about. He wasn't going to do that kind of a work anymore. That was already done. He wasn't going to make more people with th that didn't have souls, more animals that didn't have souls. Now listen to me. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which he had made, from all that creation that he had done. And these are the generations of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that God made the earth and the heavens. So <laughs> these generations are a day, and a day is equal to a thousand years. Wow, are you getting that? Are we coming? A thousand years equals a day. A day equals a thousand years. Genesis 2, verse, verse 4, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Wow. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and ever herb of the field before it grew. And the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Ah, 
but we can find in the we can find in, in, in the um, first chapter and the twenty seventh verse or the twenty sixth verse, and God said, "Let us make man in our plan or our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea, the fowl, the cattle." And God created man. And so that that was on the that was. Now, at the end of at the end of that verse, end of that chapter, it says, "And God saw everything they'd made was good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day." That was on the sixth day when He, he created that. But He says here in this other one, there, there was no man to tell the earth. This was a different kind of man that was being made. This was a man with a soul, not S O U L small case S, S O U L capital S, because you got body soul, which is a small S. Soul of the mortal, soul of the human, small s. And you've got soul of the spirit. Because every body, every human body, every mortal body has a, has a spirit. And that is capital S. Soul, spirit. So there's soul, small case, body, which is physical. And there's soul, capital, spirit, which is spiritual. Okay. Wow. And God planted a garden in Eden, and there he formed the man he put that he had put uh and formed uh he he and there he planted the garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And now the ground made the Lord God grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden of Eden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it parted and came into four heads. Now, was there any contact with these other human beings? Well, there was a river that came out of Eden that watered the garden, and when it, when it parted thence from the garden, it parted and it became four heads. And the first is Pison, and that is it which compasses the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Gold? What's that got to do with anything? Because there were human beings living there in Havilah. That did not have souls. And this river that went out went and encircled the land of Havilah. Wow. That's the Pison people. And the gold of that land is good. Wow. Bedellium and the Ankhstone is also there. And the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. Compasses the whole land of Ethiopia. So, it's talking about a civilization that was already there. This is a people that existed before Adam was made. And Adam was made on the seventh generation day.
Wow. Verse 14. And the name of the third river is Hedekel. That is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. There's a land there already. There's people there already. That didn't mean that the, that the name of those areas of that time was Ethiopia or Assyria, but it's explaining by using a modern name that existed at the time this was written as to where the location of that is so there'd be a relevance of understanding it. Wow. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded, saying, You know, you can eat of the tree of the garden. Thou mayest free, freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt die. Okay. Now that gets the point. That gets the point of, along the lines of what I'm talking about. Now, then we get into to really understand the whole meaning, the whole interlock of that, uh, we have to end, understand, uh, you know, some scriptures about how in Romans it, t it teaches that, um, you know, uh, that death passed uh, upon, upon all men uh, because all had sinned. Now, Romans goes on to say, by one man, sin came into the world. By one man. Uh, we've done this teaching many, over many years. And um, it's a very important, interesting teaching, believe me. And, you know, it's, it's in itself alone a full, you know, two or three, two or three um, teaching sessions uh, on, the, on the radio. And then we'd be lucky to cover it. So I can't begin to cover it except to say that that everyone had sinned. There's no one in the world that had not sinned. And, and so who is it re referring to? It's referring to all these that are going to become the offspring of, of Adam. One man brought sin into the world. Someone said, well, what about all these soulless people? Well, the Bible says, you know, sin wasn't Im imputed to them. You know, they weren't under the law. And, and it wasn't imputed to him. Wasn't it even imputed to all the people that, that could have been under the law? But it wasn't imputed to them. That's what the Bible teaches. So by one man, sin came into the world. And, and why was that important? Well, there is a very, very interesting scripture. And uh, let's see, if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 3. I'll uh, have to take a little bit of time to cover this. Romans chapter 3. And this is uh, so very, very interesting. It, it, it's, it's actually, it's actually exciting to think that these things uh, are so beautifully put in the Bible. Now, um, in Romans uh, chapter three, uh, here is how it says it. First, let me read verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, not one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty, pretty succinct. 
pretty straightforward. Verse 23 goes along with, For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Well, where were they at that they, they were into this glory of God? How did they come short of the glory of God? Well, this is talking about the angels that fell from heaven. They came short of the glory, short of the plan of the glory of God. But the pitiful thing about it was they were not able to really see what they did wrong. That was the most difficult thing. They had to come down and take bodies of matter. They had to come and take take human bodies. And why did they have to? Okay, I'm going to read you scripture. It's just a fantastic scripture. So that sin could be manifested for what it was. Because they just could not understand what they had really done wrong. So in the seventh chapter of Romans, verse 13, it says, was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. And that's what it's talking about. And that was the revelation that Paul understood of what had to happen to these people. That 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 the sin became exceedingly sin uh, when, when they took on these mortal bodies and they begin to be able to uh, understand sin for what it was so that sin would appear to be sin and not in their minds, uh, you know, be excused off uh, for, for, something, for something differently. And so in the fifth chapter and the, the twelfth verse, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. It passed on all men. Why? Because that Adam had sinned? People say, yeah, you see, Adam sinned, and from that, that's a horrible thing. Now all humanity has had to pay the price. That is absolutely not Bible. First off, the Bible says that Adam did not transgress God. It says that Eve did. You need to get that straight. You need to get in your Bible and check it out. You need to understand that, 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 that the name of Eve was also Adam. He called their name Adam. He called their, T-H-E-I-R, name Adam. So their names were called Adam. They both had the name Adam. And when you begin to understand that, it's quite a terrific insight. It's quite beautiful. So then... The sin passed through one man to all the offspring, not because Adam had sinned or just because Eve had sinned, but because all had sinned. Well, how could they have all sinned if they are just being born? Because they are being born into earth from pre-existence of this world. They lived before. They were open them angels. They, they fell from their angel. They left their first estate and they came down. Now, people get very, very confused about the angels that fell and that went in, you know, went into this, into these chains of darkness. And they don't realize that the chains of darkness are these, is, is the molecular aspect of this body. They don't understand that. So they missed the whole revelation of it. 
and that is the very meaning of the word Tartaru, which is which is translated hell in the book of Peter. This incarceration in this body of matter, of these these chains of the cells that have us encapsulated. So that sin might appear sin and not just a folly. Wow. Now that's the gist of it. That's just the you know the kiss of it. But that gives you the rough idea. Now, then what's the rest of the story here? Well, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus emptied himself. So when when Jesus came into this into this place of being ready to to take on Adam, become Adam for the sake of, of salvation, to sacrifice himself as Adam. He emptied himself of his angelship, of his archangelship. And when he emptied himself of this archangelship, then that was an incredible thing to do, to be an archangel, to be a lord of lords and king of kings and empty yourself of that for the sake of those that you loved and come into this human body. So so the question that this gentleman asked is, well, what about these people? How, what's their plan of salvation? Well, part of it was the tree of life. And the Gaihan serpent got involved there through Eve, and the result of that was going to end up being that Eve was going to end up being destroyed because of what she had done. So Adam stepped in, took ate also the fruit, and took on her sins, just like he did on Mount Calvary when he took on the sins of the rest of the world. He took on her sins. That's beautiful, because he loved her. And by taking on her sins, he took on her curse, just like on Mount Calvary. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. He took on the curse for the sake of the world. It's the same story all over again. So then we get the revelation, and it's quite the beautiful revelation. Quite the beautiful revelation. And that is that this plan of salvation goes way back into the beginning of time. You know? First off, if I won't turn to it now. But if you write it down in Luke 3.38, it gives the genetic offspring of David. And it, then at the end of it says, and Adam was born, who is the, who, Adam was born the son of God. So in the book of the New Testament, it clearly says that Adam was the son of God. Luke 338, look it up, check it out. Now this was so important that he was the son of God because, you see, the sons of God were the offspring then of Adam. And when the daughters of men and the sons of God begin to intermingle, the daughters of men were the, were the, 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 the uh, humans that did not have souls. They were intermingling with the daughters 
of the sons of God, which were the offspring of Adam, that had souls. And that was an absolute, total disaster. Now, Jesus, by being the, the firstborn of all the brethren, by being coming Adam, he became the kinsman redeemer because every human soul that would be born, that would be born by uh, a fallen ophanim, he would be their kinsman redeemer. And you can look that up. I mean, I, that's another huge teaching that I've done many times, kinsman redeemer. And, and it's both Old Testament and New Testament. And it's absolutely beautiful. And he's the kinsman redeemer. And he calls calls us brethren and 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 we're kinsmen. So there's always been a plan. Even some of the best scholars admit that the angel that appeared to Abraham, who claimed to have the power of redeeming, had it could not have been any other but but Christ. And Moses very clearly is recorded by Paul as understanding that the rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. So Christ has been actively involved throughout this whole in, entire time. And it's just it's just all all part of the the beautiful plan of God. And I want to give you one other scripture to sum that up because I you know I wasn't planning on getting that far off my, my track here but you know i've got two scriptures here and uh they're uh they're about um jesus christ and something very very interesting very very interesting in revelations 13 8 K kjv it says that all they that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world <coughs> excuse me <coughs> The lamb slain from the foundations of the world. How far back does that go? In Proverbs, it talks about before the mountains were formed. And it talks about wisdom. No doubt this wisdom in Christ is, you know, one and the same. And it was before the foundations of the world. And so, here we have the scripture. And in the... ABG, uh, it puts it this way, and at this time was the beginning of the humans who were not the mortals with sold open him spirits who preexisted the earth, whose names were uh, written in the book of life as present-day human mortals. The new humans did not have spirit souls, just body souls with non-preexistent spirits. And because um, these humans were not preexistents, their name had never been written in the book of life. These are the, the people that did not have souls, did not have spirit souls. Nor could he be, nor nor could uh, that be achieved on earth alone. <clears throat> uh, nor could these uh, humans take advantage of the virtual acts of salvation made by the offer of Yahweh, the Lamb, in the virtual giving of Em's life after the angel war, but still during the time of creation. 
And it was so that the new human creation became very enticed with the words of the false prophet and began to worship the dragon. <clears throat> In uh, Revelations 5, 9, and they be, uh, it says, And they sung a new, new song, um, you know, and saying, Thou hast uh, worthy to take the book, thou hast redeemed us, thou hast slain. Uh, and, and when we put this all together, we see that actually this was an act that, that happened according to that last scripture I read before the foundations of the, wor of the world. It was already planned. He wasn't going to leave anyone out. It was all planned from the beginning, you know, from the tree of life to the to Selah revelation of the rock uh, to all of the uh, angel uh, appearances and all that was all planned to cover people. And and those that would not be covered, the Bible says in there that uh, they they then were uh, immune. They they you know that they they had immunity against any sin. And uh, so, believe me, it was all done fairly, and that uh, that more than answers that question. We've got to uh, got to keep rolling here. I just can't believe how uh, much time is going by here, and we're we're barely. Uh, Getting into my subject. Okay, now <clears throat> I want to talk about how mixed up a lot of the believer world is. I'm not saying these are real true Christians. I'm not saying they're not. But, you know, you've got all these things going on right now, uh, like with um, these various kinds of aliens. You've got the aliens that uh, are called the... Um, uh, you know, the, the, the grays, and you've got the uh, aliens that are called uh, uh, the Nordic, um, uh, and I mean, I have that perfectly uh, pronounced right, but it's along that line. And you've got the aliens uh, that are the, the reptoids, and uh, supposedly uh, these are aliens, you know, from outer space, and, and, uh, and they're involved in the mutilation, some of them, the mutilation of cattle and animals. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, I want to do a blog and some teachings on this whole thing about uh, these reptilian type of, of aliens that they're talking about. And I want to show how that some of the, uh, the concepts they are presenting by that, uh, by those theories, are so absolutely absolutely without credibility they are absolutely without credibility and i know people are going to say but oh well whoa, whoa wait a minute there's all these people that have seen have met these alien these aliens mm -hmm. you mean that you talk about those that have been abducted you know abducted uh yeah well uh i want to get into a teaching and show you what happens to people you know who are uh emotionally um uh, impressed with various kinds of problems. Some of it's genetic, some of it's family, uh, some of it is fears, and how that they develop out of all those uh, disorientations a false memory. And and if you were to tell those people that something didn't happen, they could not believe you because according to their false memory, they absolutely believe those things really happened. But I'm here to tell you they did not happen because they're, they're, it. I I know what the what the outline of all these uh, 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 
angels that are flying the skies. I know who they are. I know what they are. I know the groups. And I can talk intelligently about it. And I, I'm going to be 100% correct because I know the story from the inside. And the thing of it is, uh, I want to I want to get this down. I want to get this straightened out on some of these stories that are being told because they are just so, they just make they just make uh, the word of God and, and the stories of God just, just look like a, a bunch of, of silly fiction and just so ridiculous. And, and they're big money-making programs, people just using it to rake in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I'm going to uh, tell you this truth. And I know there might be some that won't like it, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to show you in such blazing uh, facts of proof uh, that it's going to almost cause the hair on your head to want to stand up and wave. But I'm gonna, I, I want to be doing that, and uh, that's in, in my, uh, my plans here for you know very, very near future. Uh, there are so many interesting things that, that, that have to do with uh, you know, profound time that, uh, that everybody needs to know about. Pe the people of God need to know these things. And, and I, I really want, want this, this message to get out, and I want to do what I can to get the message out. I'm going to talk about some some very very interesting points here. Help, just a minute. Let me reorganize my papers here uh, because this is uh, all got a lot to do with many things. Okay, now <clears throat> um, the Bible is an incredible book. Before uh, Columbus or the Chinese or uh, America Vespucius uh, discovered the the American continent. The Bible already said, God sitteth on the circle of the earth. Before they understood about atoms and molecules, the Bible says things that are seen are made of things that do not appear. And uh, you can, the story of, uh, of um, Einstein's ethereal relativity about space having dimension, that's in the Bible. I've done teachings on it. It's very clearly in the Bible. People talk about the pole shift. Of course, <clears throat> There's many different scientific uh, relationships to this thing about, uh, you know, the pole shift. Whether we are talking a magnetic pole shift or, uh, or uh, many of the other kinds of pole shift uh, that there are, uh, it makes a world of difference. But I, I just want you to know how far ahead that the Bible is. Like if you would turn with me tonight to Isaiah 24, and, and this all really ties in with time because, you know, how that that God has just covered everything. You know, in in his time, the Bible says there's a time for everything under the sun, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a uh, time and a season. Well, let's just look at, um, at Revelations 24, and I want to show you where the Scripture is showing us that one day there's going to be a pole shift, but I don't expect it to be anytime soon. Uh, but uh, here it is, um, uh, chapter 24. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants, and, and it shall be with the... Uh, with the people, so with the priest, with the servant, with the master, with the maid, with the mistress, with the buyer, with the seller, with the lender, with the borrower, uh, with the taker of urgery, so with the giver of urgery to him. The land shall be utterly emptied. And and, and uh, so here we see uh, that um, verse 4, the earth mourneth, fadeth away, the world languisheth, and fadeth away. 
verse 5, the earth is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth. So there is already scripture explaining how that a pole shift could happen. It's already in the Bible. It, it, the Bible is so far ahead, and and uh, you know, uh, and th there's there's much more that I could get into with that uh, as regards the tectonic plate and and the axial uh, shifts that are involved in reorientation uh, and whether we're talking uh, you know super rapid uh, slips or. Uh, whether we're talking, uh, you know, uh, other kind of rotational axis uh, changes, uh, you know, uh, you know, we know that there's evidence for processional and axial changes, but a lot of the other kind of um, of uh, you know polar shifts that they talk about uh, just isn't uh, in the history of of any evidence, and and uh, it's just a lot of talk about uh, doomsday scenarios that. People don't even know what they're talking about. Now, turn with me to Zechariah fourteen twelve, and this is a very very interesting scripture. And this is this is in the in the future, uh, and this this is really a scientific insight, uh, and it's right here in the in the Bible. It's right here in the Bible. Uh, Zechariah fourteen uh, twelve, Zechariah fourteen twelve, and here's here's what it says. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall be consumed away in their holes, and their tongues shall be consumed away in their mouths. Here we see that there's going to be uh, weapons created um, that uh, will, um, you know, very very likely be along the line. <coughs> of um, neutron ray lasers and uh, this will you know be an army thing I'm sure that um, that it'll be something uh, Israel will have and um, um, when it is um, being invaded and these armies are coming in hundreds maybe thousands of tanks this laser will go right through the metal the tank will absolutely it it would it it would take a dozen feet or more uh, to divert uh, that particular uh, laser wave, and it go right through it, and and when it hits the body, all the the, the soft entrails, uh, and the tongue, the eyeball, uh, the the all all these various soft parts of the body, uh, they dissolve, and and this is a, a future terror weapon. That the Bible's already predicting is is going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. This Bible is such an incredible book. It is so awesome. It is so almost beyond belief. It has so much information. The saddest thing, the most important thing, is the need for it to be properly interpreted. You know, there just has not been the availability of the interpretation that is needed. Uh, you know, for for this word to get out and to be interpreted, so that uh, people can uh, understand all these things. It's just about like um, when when the flood took place, and now we did the teaching how that that the ark was built on top of a mountain, and we and we showed that it was actually built on top of a Mount Hermon, 
and uh, Mount Hermon is a 17,000 uh, foot high mountain. So when the, the, the uh, foundations of the deep broke up, uh, the Bible says, and the waters began to come uh, coming up, and rain was coming down, uh, you know, and there was these tremendous, um, uh, tris- you know, tresamis that, uh, that, that uh, you know, that um, uh, were just coming at, at hundreds of miles an hour, uh, you know, they, they just destroyed everything, but being up on the mountain, all that force went against the mountain, and by the time you get more and more height of water there, uh, then then uh, you reach a point that you don't have that destructive force that would have just torn the ark apart. And then, on, in addition to that, uh, you know, you you had uh, I'm just estimating it now, but something like about uh, 350 additional feet above the 17,000. Uh, mountain height uh, that uh, was needed of of the water uh, to to raise in order to get the displacement of the ark uh, to lift up off the mountain with its load, and that's all in the Bible, and uh, and so uh, and as a result of of that flood, it caused um, the earth axle uh, to tip. And and so the the, the actual uh, tilt of the Earth uh, now is something like twenty three point four you know degrees, and uh, that is just also very very interesting because the Bible says that the people walk on in darkness and they know not that the foundations of the Earth are out of course. That's right in the Bible. It tells us that that has already happened, that that situation is indeed a fact. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the time for the Word of God uh, to get out. And and I, I'm so pleased that we have finished uh, the ABG. Now all we've got to work on is uh, get the lexicon to it and, and some of the uh, color, and, and uh, we'll have a book ready to be able to publish. Uh, I don't like to mention it while I'm on that subject. But, uh, you know, if there's any of you people out there that you have a real deep burden for for this work to get out, I've got all, you know, all these many, many years that the Lord would not let me put out uh, all these books that I've got, over 50 books, and, and uh, that, uh, you know, they need work still. Uh, they're in the rough, but, but uh, it wouldn't take that long if a person had help. Uh, the way it is right now, I hire people on a regular, uh, full-time basis, and uh, you know it costs me something close to five thousand dollars a month uh, to support these people that I have working for me, uh, and that are being used for various things to allow me to get all this printing and all this kind of thing done. And I don't know how that I do it. I do not know how that I do it, but I know I've done things like. Uh, you know, sell my grand uh, concert grand piano, and I had a piece of property and I sold it, and uh, and that has helped. And then there's been, you know, uh, we've had one person make an investment. Uh, big a big part of that was in um, um, you know electronic equipment, but there was some cash, so that really helped. But we're not getting a lot of money from other people. Uh, the PayPal, you know, we get. 
$50, $100, and we're so thankful for that. God bless you so much. But, it, you know, it, it's going to take money to get this out. And I've tried some ideas to make it an investment idea so that people would just take advantage of that, and it's a real legitimate thing. Uh, but, you know, uh, I just don't want to spend a lot of time trying to convince people to do that. It's got to be by the Spirit. If people don't feel led by the Spirit to do it, then they shouldn't do it. And uh, I'm not, you know, just sure uh, where all the the finances is going to come to get, you know, this word together with the ABG and the book of Revelations, which is so stunning. It is just absolutely stunning. Uh, You know, the world is going to want that book. They are going to want that book, but we're going to have to advertise it. We're going to have to get it printed. We're going to have to, you know, be able to finish paying the salaries that is needed to pay. And that's all I want to have to say about it. I didn't even know I was going to say all of that. Uh, you know, but p- perhaps uh, in one way, I, I sort of got stirred up today because I was uh, listening to uh, this debate, uh, and it was b- uh, between an atheist and and a gentleman uh, who was a well-known politician, uh, who um, you know was was a, a Christian believer, and um, it's just uh, you know it's just amazing. Uh, what came out of that, and the things that were being said, and and the points that were being made, and and uh, how uh, how very sad that it is that uh, that uh, there are many many people that are are starting to uh, not believe in God, not believe in the Bible. Uh, the question was um, uh, that was being debated: Is uh, religion still a force in the world today? Is it still a force for good? And uh, it, as I understood it, the majority of the people after the the um, contest was ended, uh, the debate was ended. Uh, they basically voted, uh, uh, you know, that no, it it was it was not a force, and so they voted against, uh, you know, the, the Christian thing. But a lot of it had to do with not understanding the Bible and with various religions that are into these crazy interpretations uh, by which uh, they can just go out and kill or murder or or do whatever they have to do uh, to follow through on their religious ideas. And uh, it so struck me. It was so sad. And I, I thought, God, what can I do? And, you know, the thing that just came to me, what you can do is you've got to get this word out. You know, you're 72 and just a short time, you're going to be 73. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've never been able to put this word out before. Uh, it was only a year and a half ago that God finally gave me the word that you can now start, you know, really publishing, getting this out. The only book I was ever allowed to get out was the Seven Thunders. And all the others, I was never given a, uh, an okay on until, you know, uh, about a, you know, a year and a half ago. And then from that time, I started working and putting things together as fast as I could. Now, I do have another a small baby grant. And I'm thinking about if I have to, I'm, I could sell it. But it is the piano that, I, that I'm that i using, you know, and wanting to use to do all this future recording on uh, the, for the broadcast and for the songs that I'm, I have written over 100 songs. And I really, really hate to sell it. Uh, but I could, you know, get at least 10000 for it. And that would... Uh, that would help. Uh, so what I'm asking, I know a lot of you people can't afford maybe to give anything, but I just am asking that you would pray 
Would you pray that God would help us uh, get through uh, this time so that we can get this word out because there are literally uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of people that that uh, w- would be so uh, full of the feastings of the word of God if they had a chance, you know, to, to, to get into this. It, w- it would just be a wonderful, wonderful thing for them. And I, I know that. I know it would be beautiful. Praise God. Okay. Now, uh, I want to sort of finish this up uh, uh, with this thing with the time time and a half times. Turn with me to the book of Daniel, the ninth chapter. Daniel 9. Daniel 9. It's very interesting how that so many of these numbers, how that they 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 go together. Uh, it, it is it's just um, it's just absolutely interesting. I said J- Daniel nine. Uh, let's make it uh, Daniel seven. Okay, all right. <clears throat> now uh, here here we we have this uh, uh, the scripture here that I want to read first. Uh, it says in verse 25 of Daniel uh, 7, And he shall speak great and high words against the Most High, uh, and wear out the saints of the Most High, think to change times and laws, and they shall be given unto his hand, until a time, times, and the dividing of times. Now, there are going to be forces dark, and there are going to be forces of the children of light, and they're going to be involved during this time, times, time. You know, so it's time, times. So times means more than one. So you got one time, and you have another times, which is two. So basically what you've got is you've got three times and a dividing of the times. So so this is very, very important because um, when we... Uh, when we properly divide uh, the time, time, times and the dividing of the times into the 70,000 years or the 80,000 years, uh, we end up getting, you know, uh, what the breakdown, uh, you know, is of the third. And then we get the compound of it uh, actually actually being the 70 or the 80,000 years, depending on the math we're using to make the point. Because you do have some some, uh, leeway there because you have the dividing of the times. Now, the dividing of the times doesn't mean that you take a number like 100 and you divide it and you evenly divide it so that it's 50 on one side and 50 on another. You can divide it so it's one point on one side and 49 points on the other side, and you're still dividing it. So so the dividing thing is uh, has a character of being very versatile as to what the remainder is. And, and there are various reasons um, why there uh, can be uh, you know, a, a divider. Now let, let's uh, go back over to uh, to the book of um, of the ninth chapter of of um, Daniel. Praise God. Um, like if we look in uh, the ninth uh, chapter and the twenty seventh verse, and he shall confirm. Remember, I said that was an important word. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So you see here how that there are various uses ascribed uh, that are just fractional increments 
that fall into that category of the dividing of the times. See, because you've got, uh, you know, like uh, 72 weeks, which actually means, you know, 70, uh, the 70,000 plus a carryover. And, and, and then that all divides into the three. And this three comes around because you got the three days that the Lord was, you know, in, into, to the, um, uh, to the, to the tomb and, you know, during the resurrection time, uh, you've got the, the, the three uh, groups of angels, the Ophanim, the Cherubims, the Seraphims. Uh, you've got many different threes that, uh, that are all throughout the Bible, very significant, uh, you know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, uh, you know, on and on and on of, of the, of the threes, um, which, um, all have numerical tie-in, uh, to many of these other profound numbers that, uh, that come together. So, so then, um, when you, when you get this number here in verse 24 of chapter 9, it says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Um, uh, I wouldn't begin to have time to go over it right now, but if we did have the time, I would love to go into the um, uh, the Sabbath because now we begin to understand what the Sabbath really is about Jesus Christ. And when people say you haven't entered into the rest, you know, it's not talking about that you didn't take a day off. It's talking about this divine rest of the Lord that you have not entered into. And, and so it's a beautiful and glorious thing. And, um, I would like to really get into the understanding of that, that when, um, the children of Israel did not honor, uh, the metaphor of the Sabbath, which was a metaphor of the incredible revelation of Jesus Christ through Adam. Uh, that that it became uh, a very definite um, sign of their disobedience and uh, of their uh, operating under the curse. And it is so important to understand that because Jeremiah and the great prophets, they prophesied and said, you know, you're going to remain in Babylon. You're, you're going to remain there in Babylon for, for, uh, 70 years. You're not going to get out of there, uh, until, uh, until you have, uh, uh, paid back the, 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 the land Sabbath. Now that's all very, very strange, and it has its uh, particular application in in those strange ways. Because if the land sabbaths were still current, then they would be going at the same time that the makeup sabbath was going. But obviously, the sabbath is in suspension because the people have been removed from the land, and they are in, in captivity. And now they're having to, to work out being in this captivity for these 70,000, uh, uh, for these 70 years, pardon me, 70 years, which are representative of the 70,000, uh, years. And, and, uh, it's very, very interesting that they have to do that to work out the Sabbath. And, oh, there is so much more that I would like to, to share with you on that because, because it just has such a, a deep, uh, you know, input, uh, to all the, uh, manifest realization 
of things that 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 are so evident. And I think I read to you last uh, week, uh, verse 21 in this ninth chapter, where uh, uh, Gabriel appears and he says, uh, Daniel, in the 22nd verse, uh, you know, I've come to you uh, to give you uh, skill and understanding. Uh, you know, that's, that is what is so needed. And it's so sad that in this day and age, we've got ministry that is saying, you know, you don't, you don't need, uh, the Yerman Thummim. You don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't need angels. Uh, you don't need the deep word of God. Uh, all you need is this simple little point of this or the simple little point of that. And, and, uh, and they they are actually causing people to lose out uh and it's like that scripture that we read you know where where people are willingly ignorant they become willingly ignorant by subscribing to those people that give out those kind of of instructions uh and they're not being given out by the name and the power of the living god uh there is there is information that as we learn this information we get set free we just absolutely get set free. Now, I'm talking about getting set free, and I'll mention it again because just in case I get the wrong information out here, uh, in my uh, years and years of being in the ministry, uh, I have always paid my own way. I paid my own way. There was one little short time we had to take a salary for a matter of some months because we immigrated up here to Canada and they wouldn't let you support yourself. Uh, you had to prove that you had a real job in order to do it. But other than that, I always paid my own way. I never ever uh, collected money uh, to su uh, from the people to support myself. And, and, uh, uh, and another beauty about that is once we could ever get some of these books out, once we could ever get these these things printed, we not only would be able to help people tremendously as far as all this wonderful information, but there would be an income coming in where, you know, it would take far less support of other people because there would be, you know, something that people would be buying and, and uh, being being benefited from that would then help us to go forward. Uh hated to mention that again, but I needed to mention it because I didn't say it the last time, and I didn't want to leave it on the people that this is something that would just be expected of people to, to do forever and ever and ever, because that is not what we're thinking at all. Anyway, blessed be the name of God. Can't believe how I get into those, into those subjects. Um, all right, now, uh, we may come back to this uh, part in Daniel, but turn with me to Ezekiel, the fourth chapter. Ezekiel 4, it's the book before Daniel. And uh, I want to show you something there that is quite interesting. <clears throat> now, in the fourth chapter, the first verse, it says, Thou also, son of man, take thee a tile, and lay it before thee, and portray upon it the city, even Jerusalem. Now, here's this incredible revelation to Ezekiel that you can do a proxy. You can take a tile, and that tile can represent the whole four square of a city. And let's read the rest of what's going on. And lay siege against it. You, you mean that, that you can actually, by the Spirit, uh, you can actually be, be affected? Uh, are effective so that you could you could uh, bring a siege against the whole city just by by taking a tile and using it as a proxy absolutely uh, it's bible and i believe this bible 
and build a fort against it, and cast a mount against it, and set the camp also against it, and set battering rams around about. Moreover, take thou unto thee an iron pan. It's probably just a cook pan. And he used that as part of his proxy, you know, to be like a battering ram. And he set it up for a wall of iron, iron between thee and the city, and set thy face uh, um, against it, and it shall be besieged, and thou shalt lay siege against it. And thou shalt be assigned to the house of Israel. And thou shalt lie uh, upon your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lay, lie upon it, and thou shalt bear their iniquity. Now, he's not only transferring you know, certain iniquity, a recognition of iniquity, because so many times people are not aware that they have actually uh, offended God or committed sins, and and they're ignorant of it. And so it's done for them to, to make a recognition of it, but at the same time, he's also bearing their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, 390 days, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished this, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have pointed thee each day for a year. Now, this just sounds like enough to kill a person. To lay on one side, not being able to move, and the kind of food that you had to eat is horrible. Don't need to get into it. And and uh, just almost be bound there, uh, you know, and and uh, for this long, long period of time. But there is a secret in there. There is a secret. There's a secret number ratio, and it's so easy to miss it. And I read it, but you probably didn't even notice it. But let's look at this verse six again. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. Now, that I just find to be incredible, where you've got uh, one day of portrayal representing a whole year. Uh, and this is a revelation given to this man, Ezekiel. Uh, on this thing that has to do with the revelation of the Bible, and with how all of the, the numbers and the inter, integration of all these factors, uh, you know, uh, move in and out of their different reckoning uh, positions. Uh, it is so important uh, to just be open to the mind of God and allow God to, to reveal and, and, and to, uh, you know, break forth uh, with his wonderful spirit of love and endeavor to, to show us the, these things so that we can we can just totally trust God uh, in the way that God can God can, God can make it so that you don't have to to be out there for forty years doing something or or for years and years and years you you can you can uh, take this shortcut you can just have one day that 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 is worth many many years even uh, it's just awesome when when you're into the faith and the trust of God okay now I know I'm running out of time but let's see. Let's see if there's something I can... Uh, there was these questions, and <laughs> there's so much I didn't get to. We'll have to have another session on this. But um, um, 
We answered that one question. Uh, this one says, why did Lucifer... Uh, need to have a, a a cover. You remember in the Bible it talks about Lucifer was a a, a covering cherub, and we explained that he that during the creation that he became a covering cherub uh, for Yaviel. Well, the thing was is that um, and the way it works in this thing with angels, um, there's 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 the archangel, and the archangel does not change. It's not like the archangel moves up to something else and leaves, and then someone else can take that position. Uh, the archangel stays there and becomes a throne angel, but still stays there as the throne angel um, archangel. So then um, uh, what happens, though, within the group, as some of these angels grow in their ability and become more and more spiritual and more and more like their archangel leader, eventually they reach the point where they think like the leader, they act like the leader, uh, they love uh, in their heart like the leader, uh, and they become one. Uh, and this is these are teachings of Jesus Christ in the book of John, where it talks about he he uh, John uh, or pardon me uh, Jesus Christ being one with the Father and how that we, we will be one with Him. And uh, but but there is a place beyond just that oneness thing called koun, c o dash. Koun. So U N E Koun. So so when you when you get into that kouning, uh it is you occupy the same space. You occupy the same mind of reason. Uh and and you become you become the same. You, there's two or three or four or ten or fifteen. You become one entity because you're kouned. And there's, you know, there's lots of scripture before this, but I, I don't have time to get into it tonight. Well, uh, at that time, uh, there were many, many of the Ophanim that had co-owned with Yaviel, but there was no, um, no uh, a second in command uh, archangel. Uh, of the of the Ophanims. There was Dominius, and he was getting close to that, but he still was not really the true uh, uh, archangel. He had not reached that point of being a co-archangel with Yaviel. So because there was not another archangel, and, and the way that this is going to happen is that th there was going to be, you know, uh, this 144,000 that goes into creation with Yaviel, and then the rest of these angels are involved in, you know, uh, receiving creation concepts, uh, special meditative types of prayer, and all these things that uh, the laws of the angel code demanded for there to be an archangel in place. So that's why Lucifer from the cherubims was brought over, because after all, the cherubims, their, their job in the creation uh, was to be guardians. They were guardians and watchers. So that's the story there. Uh, okay, so that's why uh, the, the situation uh, with, uh, with Lucifer. And um, um, okay, uh, now, um, let's see, let's find, find another question here real fast. Uh, do, 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 do. Talks about Lucifer bound a thousand years in a physical space, but not on earth. The same thousand year period is the time of the Ophidim souls have to overcome. Of course, that's, that's an incorrect question. Uh, the, the Ophidim souls have the time, time and a half times, and are the dividing of the times, and that is 70 to 80,000 uh, generations. And uh, now, um, I know there was a question about, uh, 
you know, like uh, when Lucifer is bound uh, in in the heavens. Uh, the Bible talks about him being bound for a thousand years, and uh, and I explain well. You know, a thousand is the number of Christ, and so don't get caught up as to what that thousand uh, years means. Uh, don't try to parley it with being earth years or anything like that. Just just let it be whatever it, it is meant to be. But but uh, th- th- this uh, I will say that there has been. There's going to be several wars. There's the one war mentioned uh, of the angels mentioned in uh, Revelations 12. And Revelations 12 mentions that there was a war in heaven. And then there's going to be at least two other wars with Lucifer and, and the angels. And it's just like when you had the Germans with World War One and World War Two, that at the end of each war, uh, there's a different set of, of um, requirements uh, according to like World War One was a certain uh, a set of requirements, not as near as, as strict and ultimate as was World War Two, uh, and it's the same way with these different wars. There's different requirements. We don't have the time to go into what all those different requirements were and how that they were different from uh, you know one uh, one one group to another group, but uh, those are just uh, you know interesting. Uh, how does the Transition occur from the Ophanim souls uh, entering human bodies to the to no Ophanims. Oh, okay. Um, this they just all happens at the same time as as the Ophanims begin to overcome, and there becomes less and fewer and fewer humans on Earth that have have Ophanim souls, and we're coming to the close of the time times and the dividing of the times. Uh, there's being born these other people uh other kinds of people that that can intermingle with 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 the soul people uh because they're not they're not like the Pison, the gaihan those that were very um you know uh oh, which i say more more of a brutal beast type of thing uh and not as developed and civilized and you know and so forth and there's so much to tell about that oh my do we ever need to talk about those things but uh um uh, anyway um, once you understand that, that those that can happen at the same time, then eventually there will be no um, no, no uh, um, angels of the uh, our human bodies left that that uh, are involved with uh, a soul. They'll have all graduated or failed, and it'll be over. Their time of trial will be finished, and then it'll just be people living on the earth by the large numbers that will be soulless individuals. Okay, I. I I just we'll have to we'll have to have number four. Uh, I didn't even get close to getting finished, uh, so we'll have a you know a mystery of the time number four. And oh, do I have some interesting things to share? But I want to get into the Gentile. I want to work one more time on the prostate gland. I want to go direct into the gland this time for you men out there that are are having problems with swollen glands. And uh, I have had some. Uh, quite good success with quite a few people uh, with this in, in the past years. Okay, here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to the thyroid, to the lymphatic gland of the parasympathetic, sympathetic neurotransmission system, to cerebellum, to the white core brain, tissue in the spinal, spinal column, again, to send messages into the body to relax the body, relax the nerve, relax the muscles, bring the body through uh, the various stages of, of cognizance uh, so that this message will begin to uh, 
uh, move across the, the neural network through all the various membranes of the body and through the up and down system of, of, of the uptake and downtake uh, of the spinal <coughs> spinal response and begin to uh, send the hormone energy I begin to send um, uh, zinc materials uh, concentrated into the um, prostate area. Uh, begin to uh, create that hypothalamus, the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus, the thyroid, uh, to the coordinate organs. Begin to create um, chemical equivalents of the uh, zinc and whatever kind of compounds that would be necessary uh, that are needed in the various individuals in their prostates uh, to begin to bring down this swelling. Uh, if there's inhibitors or blocks or messages anti to this, they are canceled. Begin this process immediately. Begin to uh, send this energy down through the body system and into the prostate to begin to shrink that organ and, and to begin to uh, bring it uh, back into normal, stable condition. Uh, if there's any inhibitors or blockers of this, they are canceled. God bless you. We love you. We're going to have some new, uh, a new blog on here in the next day or two that will be very interesting, God willing. You are dismissed.